In today's episode, from dealing with bullying in high school to successfully pitching his company on CBC's Dragon's Den, where he was able to secure a deal with two dragons for his business for good. From Blue Tribe Media, this is the Good Business Podcast, the show where we talk to business leaders, social entrepreneurs and innovators about aligning profit with purpose and how you can make doing good, good for business. Now here's your host, James McGregor. So my guest today is Dr. Gavin Armstrong, uh, who's a committed impact entrepreneur. He's currently serving as the founder and president of the Lucky Iron Fish Enterprise. Uh, it's a social enterprise attempting to alleviate iron deficiency around the world using a really simple health innovation. So whilst the innovation behind uh, Lucky Iron Fish is one of my favorite case studies in how to commercialize university research, uh, it's, it's actually Gavin's journey from severe bullying to the founding of a social enterprise aiming to solve the issue of malnutrition that's really the real inspiration uh, of today's episode. So we talk about how bullying shaped his path towards social entrepreneurship, how Lucky Iron Fish's first product failed and how they overcame these challenges and ultimately created a business model for global distribution. Let's check it out. So... So if I went through and read off the list of all the various awards that you've won and you've even been uh, on Shark Tank, I see, um, I'd probably be here all day, but what I'm really interested in is understanding uh, what's the backstory? Where's this passion for social enterprise or social impact come from? So when I, it's a long story, but to try and make it uh, a bit more concise, when I was in high school, uh, like many uh, people, I experienced uh, bullying and I was bullied uh, pretty severely, and it, and it pushed me into um, a, a pretty dark place. Um, wh- when I went to university, I wanted to be a banker uh, because I thought that if I could make a lot of money, uh, I would somehow create value for myself, and I would be able to to prove uh, the, the bullies wrong. Um, however, when I went to university on that path, uh, I was pretty miserable, uh, and I couldn't figure out why. Uh, but it just nothing really seemed to be lining up. I ended up taking a chance trip to Botswana, uh, where I it was my first time leaving North America, and I saw some incredible things, but it was also my first time seeing abject poverty up close. And I thought when I came back from that trip, why am I on such a selfish trajectory to try and prove uh, some bully wrong who I'm never going to see again when this kind of, of issue exists in the world? And so that's when I uh, re-evaluated my priorities and decided that uh, I wanted to make um, a living by, by doing good and helping solve some of the world's most greatest challenges. Yeah, awesome. So, so what did you do next? So once you made that decision, and what was the first thing that you did? Well, uh, so I became uh, engaged with hunger-related issues on campus, and I, I signed a university up to be a part of an international program uh, that it connects university students who are fighting world hunger, did some volunteer uh, work. I organized multiple um, food packing events, which actually got into the Guinness Book of, of World Records. And through those experiences, I ended up volunteering for fundraising initiatives in Dadaab, in refugee camps in northern Kenya. And when I was there, <clears throat> I learned more about the issue of hidden hunger, which is malnutrition. And um, at the time, about 800 million people were going to bed every night hungry, uh, but 2 billion people were going to bed every night malnourished. So it was this massive problem that was actually getting worse. And of all the the challenges with hidden hunger, 
iron deficiency was the largest issue. It was impacting a third of the world's planet. Rates had been increasing since the year 2000. Uh, and it seemed like traditional approaches were not working. So I, uh, again, some trans chance encounters, chance trips, ended up in Cambodia uh, doing research on a product which is now called the Lucky Iron Fish. Great. And, that, and was that research part of your PhD? It was, yes. Yeah. Okay. Great. And so, so tell us about um, tell us about Lucky Iron Fish. How how did that come about? So you you, you were testing this product, um, but where did the the idea of Lucky Iron Fish come from? So the Lucky Iron Fish is a simple cooking tool that can fortify your meal with your daily required iron intake. Uh, it doesn't change the taste, color, or smell the liquid it is cooked in, and it can be reused by an entire household for up to five years. So when you compare that to more traditional approaches, it is much more sustainable and affordable. Uh, the research started by cooking with an iron disc. And though it was scientifically effective to add this special disc to your cooking pot, women in Cambodia thought it looked like a piece of garbage. And so nobody wanted to cook with it because it you know, looked like a piece of trash. But after some research, it was discovered that the symbol of a fish is a symbol of luck in Cambodian culture. So by shaping the disc like a fish, women wanted to cook with it because they thought it would bring luck to their household. And when they felt healthier and they stopped having headaches or other signs of iron deficiency, they, uh, they said it was the fish and it was the luck of the fish that was helping them. So that's where the name Lucky Iron Fish comes from. Yeah, so I think so. That's a really important. So we, um, I think I mentioned to you, we run an entrepreneurship program for PhD students. We use this as a case study around making sure you understand the customer in designing your solution. So you might have a great scientific solution that, on paper, solves the problem you think you're trying to solve. But if you don't get end users to actually adopt your solution, and in this case, yeah, we you start off with this iron disc that no one wanted to use. Um, so how did you mentioned that you did some through some research you discovered this fish symbol how did that actually transpire so was it did you actually actively go out with these communities trying to figure out why they weren't using it how did, how did the idea of the the fish symbol uh, even uh, come up yeah there was a student chris charles who was doing trial and error so they were uh after the disc wasn't working there were multiple attempts uh to use other shapes lotus flowers multiple different kinds of fish uh, but ultimately landed on a cantrop fish, which is uh, known in Cambodian culture. Certain design elements were made to it to make it look friendly. It has a smile on it. Um, and, and that's uh, ultimately how the, the, the shape came to be about. So it was just a lot of trial and error. Right, okay. So, so once you had the... Um You've identified a solution. You're getting some uptake from the, um, I guess, the communities that you're wanting to adopt this. How, how did you turn that into a business? You've, you've still got to, you've got to bring in revenue. You've got to keep the lights on. You've got to be able to actually pay to deliver this impact. Um, how, how did the, the Lucky Iron Fish Enterprise come up and, wh and where did you start with that? So when I first commercialized the company, I actually thought it would only be in Cambodia. I thought this was a great solution for Cambodia. It's where the research was being done, and, and that's where the business activity should be. So invested some money in, in a sales strategy there, hired some staff, tried to do some door-to-door -door sales uh, and, and sell to organizations. And it really wasn't working um, for multiple reasons. Um, it was just it was very difficult to try and convince someone to try an innovative approach to improving their health when the main solution, iron supplement pills, 
were being given out for free by the government and have been used, you know, since anyone can remember. Um, but at the same time, when that was not going well, I was speaking about uh, the Lucky Iron Fish at conferences around the world and presenting the research. And uh, often people would come up to me after I would present and say, I have iron deficiency. Can I buy one for myself? I would love to use this product. So that's when I realized that there was global demand for the Lucky Iron Fish. So I came back to Canada, uh, re, um, sort of rejigged the business model and did an e-commerce route. So we sell the fish online to uh, consumers around the world. And if you buy one for yourself, we commit to take funds from each sale to help donate free units to families in need uh, around the world. So it was a way that we could sell to those who could afford it and donate to those who couldn't. Right. So, so you used a, like a buy one, give one type model. Yeah. yeah. Is that, and is that still the model you're using today? Uh, so the model is there. It, it definitely has evolved since the beginning. We now take a more holistic approach to how we give. So it's not just free units, but we also support the distribution of those units that could be the shipping cost, um, educational programs around eating, uh, healthy eating and proper nutrition, research for iron deficiency, or providing diagnostic equipment to our partner organizations. So we take a much more holistic approach to how we donate. Right. And what's, what's Lucky Iron Fish look like or Lucky Iron Fish Enterprise look like today in terms of size and scale? Uh, so we're a small but mighty uh, company. Uh, we've got eight, <laughs> eight employees, uh, but the fish is available in 66 countries around the world. We've sold over uh, 150,000 units uh, and through both sales and impact activity have helped improve the lives of an estimated 850,000 people around the world. Awesome, small, small but mighty. I like that. Um, so, do you? Do you? I know you do a lot of work with universities. Um, do you actually? Get, how do you go through and measure your impact? So we've actually uh, how we measure our impact has evolved over the years. Uh, primarily, the the focus has been on uh, the health the health outcomes themselves. So, if we're um, doing clinical trials, we're able to evaluate uh, the improvement of iron status for a user. But we do want to, to think about the impact we have throughout the business. So we are a B Corp. Uh, and so we do go through the B Corp um, assessment and audit process every two years. And I'm really uh, proud to say that since we became a B Corp, we've been ranked in the best for the world. So in the top 10% of B Corps internationally uh, since the beginning. So um, it, really it really demonstrates that we're committed to having an impact throughout the supply chain. Um, we have an employee whose focus is on our, our impact activity, and we're, we're actually developing a new impact assessment now uh, for communities where we work because we want to measure not only the health improvement of uh, the communities, but also the economic improvement because we know iron deficiency prevents families from earning uh, to their full potential. And so by using the fish, we want to know how that's helping households from both a health and economic impact. Yeah, awesome, great. So, so how did you um, how did you fund Lucky on Fish when you started? I know you successfully pitched on into the Dragons then, um, but where did where did you raise the capital? Or did you bootstrap it? Yeah, I mean Dragons Den uh, was a great experience, but it was only recently uh, that in two thousand eighteen. So I, I commercialized the company in twenty twelve. Uh, we were funded at the beginning through some grant funding, um, both by the University of Guelph and by Grand Challenges Canada which is a federally funded organization here in Canada. 
Um, I have now, uh, however, started going through the traditional investment route. We just completed a seed round uh, earlier uh, last year um, and are, are doing a more uh, you know, traditional venture investment so we can demonstrate that we are uh, a legitimate for-profit company that's committed to doing good. And, and how have you found the uh, investment landscape around, you know, there's been, I guess, a, a boom of uh, for-purpose social enterprises over the last few years. Um, how, how have you seen the response in terms of the investment community around the social purpose or social impact aspects of the business? For me, it's really important that social enterprises are held to the same standard as a traditional business. I don't think that we deserve special treatment because uh, because we have a social mission. Uh, if we're trying to demonstrate that investing in social companies is going to be just as uh, successful as demonstrating in a, a more traditional business, uh, we have to be held to the same standards and, and same accountability. So it's it's tough, uh, but I think that's a good thing. It, it, um, it, it, the challenge helps strengthen us. So uh, I'm, I'm happy with the, the pool of investors we've, we've gathered so far. We'll be doing another investment round soon, and I'm looking forward to continuing to tell our story to funds around the world and, and getting more investment into our company. Awesome. Well, I think that's a really important point about um, you know, social enterprises or even per- for-profit businesses with a purpose um, still being held to the same standard because without profit, you can't, you don't have the resources to deliver on the impacts, right? So um, making sure your business model uh, is strong and that you can bring revenue in the door because that revenue provides you the capacity to deliver on the social mission. So I think that's a really important point for um, people to understand. So so if someone out there was listening was thinking about launching a, uh, a new enterprise or a new business or they had an idea around making the world a better place, what's, what's one piece of advice that you would give someone like that? I think it's really important to learn from your mistakes and learn from your failures um, because they're, they're inevitable. They're going to happen. Uh, but if you can learn from them, it'll provide you an opportunity to actually strengthen what you're doing and become more resilient. So when we had an iron disc that no one wanted to cook with, we, we could have given up. Uh, but after some research, we developed the fish shape, which is now internationally known and, and have, has won awards around the world. Uh, when the business model in Cambodia wasn't working, we, we could have given up, but instead we listened to the demand and created this direct-to-consumer company, which has now sold you know, over 100,000 units globally. So. It's all about listening and learning to your mistakes because those are going to be, I think, the most rewarding uh, learning issues and, and pieces of feedback that you can have. Yeah, I think there's a, a bit of a mantra that people, um, which I don't necessarily assign to around, you know, fail fast in the in the startup world. I think it's learn learn fast and learn quickly, um, and design experiments to gather information as opposed to trying to do something to fail. Um, but yeah, I think that's a really really important piece of advice. Uh, what would you like people to do after listening to this and hearing your story? Well, the Lucky Iron Fish makes a, a great gift if you know anyone who is iron deficient. So I wouldn't be an entrepreneur if I wasn't uh, hoping that some people would go out and, and buy one for themselves, whether if it's because they, they have iron deficiency, know someone with iron deficiency, or because they, they want to support that impact model by helping distribute free, free units. Uh, but the other is, is look at the SDGs, the Sustainable Development Goals. They're it's the world's most ambitious to-do list. Uh, and, and think about how you can play a small part in, in helping achieve those. Because if we don't come together 
as a global collective, um, the world's going to be in some serious trouble. So we need to work together to to solve these problems. Right. And if someone was looking to actually buy a lucky iron fish for a friend or family member, uh, how would they how would they know if they were iron deficient? Is there are there are there, are there things they should be looking for? There'd be obvious signs. The main signs and symptoms of iron deficiency are pale skin, fatigue, headaches, uh, dizzy spells. So uh, a lot of people have have those. Um, Iron deficiency is quite common. It is predominantly seen in women and children. Um, uh, If you believe you have those signs, you can see a doctor. There's a a simple blood test that can be done. Uh, One of the benefits of the lucky iron fish is because it releases a low level of iron that does not cause any side effects or raise the risk for toxicity, you can use it not only to treat iron deficiency, but to prevent iron deficiency as well. So even if you feel you're at risk of iron deficiency, or if you're not sure if you have it, um, or if you've recently had it but are now okay, it's perfectly fine to use the iron fish on a daily basis to help boost your iron levels with that extra little bit of iron uh, every day. Awesome. And, and also help, help make the world a better place at the same time. So. It's a double bonus. So um, not good segue. So if people wanted to um, purchase a Lucky Iron Fish or they wanted to get in touch with uh, what you guys are doing, what's what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Uh, so luckyironfish.com is our website. So our, our confirmation, our, our um, contact information is on there along with our, our shopping and, and uh, shopping opportunities. Uh, the fish is available on multiple Amazon platforms around the world as well. Right, so I certainly encourage people listening out there to, um, and we'll put those links on the show notes to actually support. Um, this is one of my favourite uh, stories. What you guys did around the startup and the impact that you're making, I think it's a really great um, template for anyone considering a social enterprise um, around you know, having that for-profit model. Um, just the way you went through the experimentation to develop a solution that people really wanted to use. Um, so I'm really glad we got to uh, have a chat today. But let's let's wrap up with the mad minute. So five questions, sixty seconds. Um, so let's kick off. So what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Uh, the best piece of advice was that don't let your failures define you. <laughs> yeah, good one. Uh, what about uh, what's your favorite business book? A business book, Conscious Capitalism. Yeah, good one. Good choice. That's a popular one. Um, favorite business tool or resource for delivering impact through your business? Uh, I mean, we, my team, honestly. I know it, it might be a bit cliche, but our team are, are committed people who are helping our impact globally. Great. And what's your favorite quote? Uh, Joey Adler said, never underestimate the power of one. One person has the ability to make a ripple effect that will change the world. Awesome. Uh, and if you go back in time and give your 20-year-old self some advice, what would it be? <laughs> Stop complaining about insignificant things. Uh, don't let uh, external forces uh, push you down. Um, you, you will become more resilient. You will become stronger and, and you will uh, become a success. You'll become small but mighty, hey? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great. All right. Uh, so like, thanks for your time. I know it's a busy time for you. Um, I think it's a great story. Uh, I encourage everyone to go out and get them, get a lucky on a fish or coming up to Christmas, um, you know, maybe a Christmas gift. Um, but look, thanks for your time and um, we'll uh, follow your success with great interest. Great. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks, mate.
So that was Gavin Armstrong from the Lucky Iron Fish, which is one of my favorite case studies on making sure you understand your customers' needs when developing a solution to make a difference in the world. You know, originally, the Lucky Iron Fish, yeah, there was research that showed that using cast iron could help solve the problem of low iron levels. Um, but the original product, um, no one wanted to use it. But when they spoke to those end users and customers and came up with the idea of the fish symbol, uh, then the product really took off. So a really great example of adapting your business model and your product based on customer feedback. So if you've been inspired by today's episode and you've got a great idea to change the world, the first thing you need to do is actually get people to buy into your big idea. So to make things as easy as possible for you, we've put together a free ebook that you can access through the show notes and the book's called Selling Sustainability. So it covers yeah, some of the behavioral science and neuroscience behind crafting a compelling message and will give you a simple to follow seven-step fill-in-the-box framework to help you craft a compelling message to get people to buy into your big idea to change the world. Uh, so speaking of show notes, if you want to access the show notes for today's episode, you can simply visit bluetribe.co forward slash podcast and check out episode number three. So I believe that sustainability is a team sport because the scale of the challenges that we all face are so large that none of us can do it, do it on our own. So if you want to be part of Team Blue Tribe, you can actually help out simply by subscribing and leaving a rating for today's episode and tell other people about the uh, podcast to get the word out there. Coming up in the next episode. We fell into it. <laughs> you know, we, we didn't wake up one day saying we're going to save the world. We were actually asking the world to save us. Our guest in the next episode effectively fell into the world of social impact after one of Australia's most powerful cyclones wiped out her local community. So make sure you listen to that one. Thanks for listening to the Good Business Podcast. I'm James McGregor. Until next time.